All right, open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6 and Philippians 4. Mark 6 and Philippians 4. You know, we've been doing our series on Christianity 101, and the premise of the series is this. People say all religions are fundamentally the same, and our answer is yes, they are fundamentally the same, except for what they say about sin, salvation, heaven, hell, the nature of God, the nature of man, the nature and members of the church. Other than that, they're exactly the same. And so what we've been trying to do is just go back to basics and get some fundamentals that we need to get established in our lives and in our minds. And this morning, I want to give you something that I think will really help us. Come rest a while. Principles for the tired. Man, y'all just work so hard. Um, I asked, uh, I was talking with Dalton Robertson yesterday about our building program and some of the things that we have coming up. And just the, uh, the amount of things that I'll be doing. And he said, don't you have someone in the church that you could hand that off to? I said, they all work 60 hours a week. Who are you going to give it to? Because I know that I think all over the country people are working more hours than they have. But I know in our community especially, people are, you are just, the reason we have all of these factory jobs here is because you're here. You're just hard workers. And what happens is we can all get to the place where we're just tired. And so I want to look at the scriptures and try to get a good understanding of this. Um, If you go to Mark chapter 6, look at verse 30. So remember what had happened. Jesus has sent these disciples out, and they're doing great things. They come back to give him a report. That's what happens, Mark 6, 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Anyone here ever got to the end of the day and you realized you'd forgotten to eat? You've been so... Obviously, that doesn't happen to me. But so many... We can work so hard that we forget to eat. I think that all of us who... You care about your job. You care about the ministry. You care about your families. You invest in things that you care about. Is that right? And you invest your time in those things that you care about. All of us are there. And so here it says, For there were so many coming and going that they had no leisure so much as to eat. If there was a verse that describes us, I think that would be it. I don't think we have a lot of lazy people at Grace Baptist Church. Amen? We we don't have to motivate people to work at Grace Baptist. But I think all of us also have a streak of martyrdom. You know, I want to tell you how hard my job is so that you could say, oh. But you know what I've noticed? It's very disturbing to my martyr complex. Nobody feels sorry for me. (laughs) Why? Because you're working hard. You're busy. There aren't enough hours in your day. That's, That's where we are. How many of you, when somebody complains about being busy, you go, oh, well. Seriously, that's the way that you feel. (laughs) Welcome to my nightmare, right? This is the world that we live in. Um, So I want to focus this because what we need to do is we need to slow down and we need to put some of these principles into our lives 
And I know that Laura's thinking, yeah, right, you're going to preach this. But this is what we need. We need to slow down. Laura and I are going on vacation Tuesday, taking the kids with us. Can you believe Lydia and Jacob? This Jacob's last Sunday with us before he goes to college. And it's just hard to believe. Lydia was three weeks old when we came here. She was the only baby in the nursery. Can you imagine that? Isn't that wild? That was it. And it's just amazing to see all of these years and, and what goes on. Um, so I want us to, to think about this. Here's some work rules. Some of you will appreciate this. Sickness. No excuses will be acceptable. We will no longer accept your doctor's statement as proof of illness, as we believe if you are able to go to the doctor, you are certainly able to come to work. <laughs> Leave of absence for operation. We are no longer allowing this practice. We wish to discourage any thoughts you may not need, all of what you may have, and you should not consider having anything removed. We hired you as you are, and to have anything removed, it certainly makes you less than we bargained for. <laughs> Death, other than your own. This is no excuse. If you can arrange for funeral services to be held late in the afternoon, however, we can let you off an hour early, provided all your work is up to date. Death, your own. This will be accepted as an excuse, but we would like at least two weeks' notice as we feel it is your duty to teach someone else to do your job before you die. Personal hygiene. Entirely too much time is being spent in the washrooms. In the future, you will follow this practice or follow the practice of going in alphabetical order. For instance, those surnames beginning with A will be allowed to go from 9 to 9.05 and so on. If you are unable to go at your appointed time, it will be necessary to wait until the next day when your time comes around again. Quantity of work, no matter how much you do, it will never be enough. Quality of work, the minimum accept acceptable level is perfection. And advice from the owner, eat a live toad first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. <laughs> is that hilarious? Oh, man. How many of you, you kind of feel that's the way work is sometimes. Man, we are driven people. We go and we go and we go. So get this picture. Jesus Christ has sent His disciples out, and they're doing good work. But it was so busy, Jesus wanted them to stop. He wanted them to take some time and relax. So now I want to show you a couple of things, five observations. First of all, the primary witness the Christian can give to our world is a life of wholeness and balance. Think about this. How many of you think that Christ ought to make your life better? It's an interesting thought. The primary witness the Christian can give to our world is a life of wholeness and balance. The Bible says in Colossians 2.10, And ye are complete in Him. We're complete. We have everything in Him. And yet we spend so much time in the world trying to achieve and get and move up. All of those things when we are complete in Him. If someone were to describe you, would they, would they say happy and satisfied? Happy and satisfied. How many think Christians are supposed to be happy and satisfied? Isn't that interesting? And yet our culture is so much different than that. James 1.4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. And i got to tell you, this is one of those things where I'm preaching to you something that I need desperately. But it, the patience. One of the things that's been so difficult with this whole building process, a year and a half, 
of waiting for contractors, waiting for answers, waiting for the bank, waiting for money to come in, waiting to get plans. And it's only going to get worse, right? We're going to wait on the city and we're going to wait on all of these things that will happen. I'm terrible at that. And you'll see the answer for that in a minute. Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We have a hope. We have an anchor. And that anchor is steadfast and sure. So the, the, the witness, the testimony that we ought to have out in the world is a life of completeness, a life of wholeness, a life of balance. We need that. We need that. So what does that mean? Some of the things that we need to work on are, have you ever seen Christians and it looks like they in a constant state of indigestion? Not happy about anything? Critical about everything? How many of you think that's the way that Christ wants us to be? He doesn't want us to be dissatisfied and grumbling. I want you to see this. God has given us just the right amount of strength, stamina, and time to do the things that He has called us to do. Let's read that out loud together. You ready? God has given us just the right amount of strength, stamina, and time to do the things that He has called us to do. So, how many of you ever get to the place where you feel like you don't have enough time to do everything you've committed to? Does that ever happen? Maybe that means... Maybe that means that you've committed to some things that God doesn't want you to do. So, now let me just ask you a question. How many of you think that the thing He wants you to cut out is ministry? It's really quiet. How many of you think the thing that God wants you to cut out is ministry? No? No? So, let me just flip that aside, or flip that on its other end. Do you know that you can commit too much to ministry? You can overcommit. You can give too much time to it. I can tell you, I'm a living testimony of that. There, there's just only, there are only so many hours in the day, and sometimes you've got to stop. Now, there will be periods of time where if you, are, if you are trying to accomplish something, there will be periods of time where your time is overtaxed, where you're doing more than you probably ought to do for a period of time. So we'll go on vacation on Tuesday. I guarantee you I'll be doing something on the building every day while I'm on vacation. Now, how many of you think that's healthy? <laughs> it's not, but it's got to be done. I'm not going to do that for the next 10 years. I promise you, I'm not going to do that for the next 10 years. But it has to be done for this period of time. We, we all, how many of you have ever been in a period of time like that? You take on a project or whatever, and it's just nonstop. Now, I guess some definitions are good here. How many of you know a workaholic? Right? These are people that just do not sit down. John's looking over at his dad. <laughs> Eric, how often do you sit down? Some. <laughs> it is, it's so interesting. And I've got to tell you, I, I love people like this because they're the people that accomplish. What's the, what's the old saying? If you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Isn't that right? But sometimes our busy people end up just taking too much on. What do we need to do? We need to learn from Jesus that sometimes you need to come apart before you come apart. It's really important that we learn this. God has given us just the right amount of strength, stamina, and time to do the things that He has called us to do. This is the abundant life. 
Now, some of our life is to be invested in rest and play and meditation and amusement. You really do. I I was talking with our um, building consultant. He's such an interesting guy. Did I tell you about the uh, IFAS, the the stucco stuff? Did I tell you about that conversation? So our new building is going to have stucco on the outside of it. It's going to look really nice. And so in talking to contractors, and one of the reasons it's been hard to get the the, uh, good price on the building is they're telling us that that's very expensive. And John said to me a week or so ago, he said, I want you to know something. When it comes to the IFAS, he said, um, I owned uh, an IFAS production company in China, and I was a, an importer of IFAS into the United States. There's no one that knows more about IFAS than I do. We're going to save money on that. That's cool, isn't it? He said, the amount of money that we save just on windows and the IFAS will pay for me. That's what John said for his consultant stuff. Isn't that awesome? It's wonderful that he understands that, that he knows it, and that he can do it. I, I, I love people like that. And so John, again, the most interesting man in the world, one of the things he does is he puts together life plans for people. So he has a consulting business, and part of his consulting is life plans. And so we were talking about it one day, and he he's, wants to do a life plan for me. And um, was, he said, what do you enjoy doing? He said, I, I heard you talking to somebody that you enjoyed playing golf. He said, do you think that your life plan should include playing more golf or playing less golf? Less? He said, no, more. He said, you have got to take time away from work. Isn't that interesting? All of us do. Jesus knew that. That's why he told his disciples, come rest a while. Come rest a while. Now, there are generally two kinds of people. You have movers and mopers. All right, mopers are the kind of people that you need to light a fire under them to get them moving. You know, I've told you before, Dalt said that his, his dad, um, he and his buddies were doing some work, and they were so slow. He said, you, you guys are as useful as a trunk full of dead men. <laughs> they needed, a, they needed a, a fire lit under them. How many of you work with people? that could stand to have a fire lit under them. Pastor Nathan, don't raise your hand. All right? We get it. And there is, a, there is an issue with the next generation, I think, teaching the next generation how to work. Um, I know that our employers, it's hard to get people to show up on time. One of the hard things for our employers is to get people that aren't on drugs. It's an issue, some things that we need to pray about, and, and really as we're leading people to Christ, to help them to develop into to useful people in our society. But you have mopers. We don't have a lot of that here. But we have movers. And the movers, the problem with the movers is you want to keep moving. You want to keep building, keep building more and more and busy and busy. Do you ever feel guilty when you sit down? How many of you, honestly, you sit down and you feel like you're supposed to be doing something? Right? That's not healthy. It is not healthy. Now, I will say this. I would have to talk to you individually to give you my opinion on where you fall on that spectrum. But I don't think that we have a whole lot of mopers at Grace Baptist Church. Y'all are working hard. And I have the same problem. I'll sit down. I'll go home. Sometime I'll go home and I'm done at 5.30 the afternoon. I'll go and I'll sit down and feel guilty like I'm supposed to be doing something else. As if 70 or 80 hours a week isn't enough. This is, this is a problem. And God wants us to live a life of balance. 
If you don't have time to be with your family, that's not right. That is not right. Amen? We have to make time for those things. If you don't have time to serve God in the local church, you've got something out of balance that's not right. Man, there was much less amen than the family thing. Let me try that again. If you don't have time to serve God in your local church, you have something out of balance. Amen. Amen. Now, what are we going to do? How are we going to balance this out? What does God see? I wrote this question down. What does Joe Pagan see in you? Frazzle, frustration, hurry, anxiety? We didn't get that from Jesus, did we? We didn't get it from him. He wanted to give us peace. The primary work of the believer is not so much doing as being. The primary work of the believer is not so much doing as being. So let's apply this to ministry. Sometimes people think they're spiritual because of what they do. You know, there are people around the world that uh, when we, uh, I was at the church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, a group of our uh, men went to Oklahoma City for a missions thing. I'm sorry, to uh, Mexico City for a missions thing. And there's a huge cathedral there. And people with a huge uh, cobblestone courtyard. And people will crawl on their knees praying up to that uh, cathedral because it's it's a form of penance. Do you know that Jesus Christ does not want you to bloody your knees for Him? You know He's not called you to do that? You see, because Christianity is not about what you do, it's about who you are and whose you are. Look what the Bible says. Matthew 5, 13 and 14, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's what God said to the nation of Israel. God expected Israel to be His people. And by being His people in the world, people would be drawn to the Father. That's what God intended for Israel. For us, Acts 1, 8, And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Do you know that you witness with your mouth as well as with your life? And you've heard me say it a thousand times. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You can say what you believe. You can say that God has given you peace, but if you're full of anxiety all of the time, then that, that peace is not evident to the world, right? And so what we need to do is we need to realize that when you're saved, you become a new creature. There's supposed to be a change in you, and if you allow God to do it, He will. Number three, the Christian's primary procedure for growth is reflection. How do we accomplish this peace in our life? This is so important. The Christian's primary procedure for growth is reflection. How often do you stop and examine your life? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's going on in my life? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Do you have time to be still and talk to God? See, the tool that we have for understanding whether or not we have balance in our life is to stop and pray and think about your schedule. Think about what God has for you to do. Um, One of the things that's so important, and I guess this would fall under the last point as well, that the purpose of the Christian life is not so much doing as being. What you need to understand is that if you are saved, you are defined by your position in Christ, where Jesus Christ looks at you and says, you're mine. You know if you're saved that God's not angry with you? Man, that that is such a wonderful thing. If you're born again, God is not angry with you. 
When He sees you, He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. He loves you. He just loves you. You parents, when you see your kids and you haven't seen them for a little while, when you're together a lot, this doesn't happen. But you haven't seen them in a while. The first thing you want to do is just gather them up in your arms. You know that that's the way that God thinks of you? He doesn't look at you like, like somebody else's kid. Have you ever wanted to smack somebody else's kid? No, don't do it. You go to jail. But you ever wanted to smack somebody? And be honest. How many of you will be honest with me? Raise your hand. You've wanted to smack somebody else's kid. Okay. And sometimes we feel that's how God looks at us. When we look at our children, we look at them with love. You can't wait to see them. You just love your own children. Now, it's hard to believe that, you kids, right? Because sometimes you think you just drive your parents nuts, and that's because you do. But it's this weird schizophrenic thing. They hate you and love you at the same time. I can't explain it. No, they just love you. They look at you with such pride, just such pride. They love you. Do you know that's the way that God looks at us? How many of you will just accept that? I don't know about you, but I live a life of guilt. And Carol calls it Baptist guilt. Where's Carol at? She calls it Baptist guilt. Uh, I just, because I know that I'm a sinner, and I have to, re- I love that statement, which we must preach the gospel to ourselves lest we become discouraged. You know that Jesus Christ loves us. He's not angry at us. It's such an important thing for us to remember. He comes along and says, I love you. I'm not angry with you, and I'll never let you go. So this concept of reflection There's something we need to remember. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. My meditation. What is meditation? It's just focusing on what God has for us. Is it sweet? Your time with the Lord. Is it sweet? Wouldn't this be a good verse for you to memorize? Psalm 104.34 My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. I wonder if I ask you that right now, if you examine your own life. Are you glad in the Lord? Or is the Christian life, has it become a drudgery for you? Or are you glad in the Lord? I hope that you're glad in the Lord. That's what he has. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How are you thinking in your heart about the Lord and about your place and about all that you have to do? God wants to give you peace. He wants to give you a life of peace. Philippians 4.8, this is such an important thing. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We're not of this world, folks. You see, all around us is dissatisfaction and hurriness and anger and bitterness. And there's, there's this, all of this clamor and malice, all of that that's in the world. God, we're not of this world. We're supposed to have a life of joy and gladness and peace and satisfaction and fulfillment. And yet I think that many times our lives are full of fear and anxiety and bitterness. That's not what God wants us to have. And how do we get away from that? We've got to have some rest. We've got to come apart from the busyness of the world and just stop sometimes. Too many Christians are living by rote, doing and doing and doing and never pausing to reflect on why they're doing what they're doing. These are the kinds of Christians that burn out. Why are you here? These are the questions that can only be answered in reflection. Where are you going? 
All of these things, we need to take the time to stop and think through these things. Someone said that the lost art in the 21st century is meditation. Now, I'm not talking about transcendental meditation where you invite demons to come in and control yourself. I'm talking about biblical meditation. Meditation is disciplined thought focused on a single object or scripture for a period of time. Focused thought on the scriptures. Now, here's our problem, though. Our primary liability is worldliness. Our primary liability is worldliness. What is that? We're just too wrapped up in the world. We're too wrapped up in it. Either worldly ideas or worldly activities, worldly thought patterns, worldly expectations. Do you know that sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the busyness of the world? Let's imagine. I just don't believe that God called us to be so wrapped up in sports that it makes us crazy. Right? And I love it that your kids are involved in sports. I love baseball, basketball, soccer. I I love all of it. I played all of it. I love all of it. And I enjoy it. But, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And I hate to say it. I don't think we have any professional football players in our youth group right now. You know why? Genetics. Okay, youth group, stand up. Everybody stand up. All you guys, stand up. Turn around. Have any of you ever seen a professional football player? They're much larger than this. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Um, Any of you ever have a chance to play against professional-level athletes? Anyone here ever have that opportunity? Brent, are they different? (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know, I used to play a lot of basketball. I know that shocks you. And I had a chance to play with guys like that. They were better than me. (laughs) They were not dying for me to come be on their team. No one ever said, can you stop going to Bible college and come and play for the 76ers? That never happened. Okay, I might be able to play for the 76ers. They're pretty bad. But it it is... I want you to think about something. You look at the levels of these things. So the worst professional basketball team would absolutely annihilate the best college team. That's hard for us to understand. The level of talent, all of that kind of stuff. Baseball. Do you know that baseball is the hardest sport to get into professionally? Um, I've got a friend. Just He was a McDonald's All-American baseball player. Um, I saw him throw a ba- he's, he's, my, he's smaller than me. And I saw him throw a softball once. Wade was out there with us. We're at the fence out at uh, the park. And he caught the ball and threw it to Wade. And he did this. He just went like this. That's what it looked like. And this thing went on a rope and popped so loud you couldn't believe it in Wade's glove. I can't do that. I can't do it. And probably neither can you. And he wasn't good enough to play professional baseball. Um, I asked him one time, how did you develop that? How did you? He said, it just happened. And I, just, I was throwing one day and it happened. You can't explain it. Why? It's genetics. So these kinds of things, we need to understand that if you are giving your life to live out your Uncle Rico fantasy of sports, 
in your children. If you're not sure, that's Napoleon Dynamite. It's just... Um, I'm not going to give up my family for a baseball dream. Right? I'm not going to give up my family for a basketball dream, a bowling dream, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> have you seen the professional bowlers? It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But if we're going to live a life of balance, it means we, we put our priorities right. Now, let me say something. I think that kids can learn some beneficial things from team sports. It's positive. It's a, it's a good thing. But can we keep it in its proper balance? How many of you know parents, and I hope there's none in our room here, how many of you know parents that are completely crazy about that stuff? You know, I'll talk to people sometime, and they're telling me that their son's going to be a pro basketball player, and I look at the kid and I say, oh, my goodness. These people are crazy. I'm stuck right here. You can probably tell. I need to move on. I just want you to have peace. And I like it. I've had parents tell me this, that I've allowed our children to choose. You're going to do this or this or this or this. We can't do all of them. You know, you can't do ballet, deep sea Romanian folk dancing, <laughs> basket weaving. What, you, know, you, you can't do all of these things. So Jacob chose ballet, and that's what we focused on. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Lydia did weightlifting. And so... How many of you understand that people can get really out of balance with this? Seriously. With school activities. So you can do drama or you can do piano. Or... You, you see what I'm saying? We want our kids to, to do everything... And then our life is full of just anxiety and stress. And how, how many of you understand that each of those activities actually cost money? And it becomes such a burden on the family and a weight on the family. Sports are supposed to be amusement, right? And remember, amuse, it's mean you, it means you don't think. It's something to take you away from the stress and anxiety of the world to give you some rest so that you don't come apart. Some people rest by sitting and doing nothing. Other people, that's more, that causes more anxiety than doing something. And so they go out and they do an activity. All right? So, you know, Dave Spicer will climb a cliff, you know, and hang on by his fingernails and come home rested. <laughs> that's not restful for me. So whatever it is that you all do, it's wonderful that you do that. But when your extracurricular activity starts to cause anxiety, it's not fulfilling its purpose. Does that make sense? I think that, that some of us, we need to examine our lives and say, what am I investing in? What am I investing in? Amusement is supposed to be just that. It's necessary, but it's got to stay in its right place. Our primary liability is worldliness. We all know this verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this is our problem. We love what the world offers so much that we end up giving our lives entirely to it. 
We need to love the Lord first. Amen? And put these other things. We're right now getting ready to start school, all of the support, all, all the sports, all of the activities that are starting to happen. And I love watching your kids play sports. I love all the things that they get to do. I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is keep it in its proper perspective. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. amen. And some of you just need to look at your kids and say, no, nah, you're going to have to pick which of these activities you're going to do. We can't do all of them. We can't do it. All right? Then, the more you hustle the more you will find yourself becoming worldly at it. If your focus is gaining a job, if your focus is gaining success, if your focus is whatever it is, if you do that more than anything else, you will become worldly at it. Do you know that there are church growth people that are worldly about growing churches? Doesn't that sound crazy? Why? Because they're so driven to grow the church, they forget about the Lord's priorities. All of us can have those issues. I like This is Erwin Lutzer. He said this, Worldliness is excluding God from our lives and therefore consciously or unconsciously accepting the values of a man-centered society. Wow. Let me read that again. Worldliness is excluding God from our lives and therefore consciously or unconsciously accepting the values of a man-centered society. And this is, don't you think this would be a good examination for each of us? Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Lord, help me to understand my own priorities. Are they worldly or are they biblical? Don't you think that would be a good thing for us to do individually? Lutzer also said this, If we are not nourished by the bread from heaven, we will satiate ourselves with crumbs from the world. Wow. You know... Every once in a while, a Twinkie is fun, right? Fried Twinkies are disgusting. But just, you know, a Twinkie, uh, uh, I like those, those honey buns, the, the tasty cake honey buns, you know. And if you eat enough of those, then you never get old. There's so many preservatives in them, you just live forever. <laughs> you can't live on a honey bun, right? How many of you think that that would be a bad diet? That's what the world does for us. The world feeds us this garbage that's enjoyable for the moment, and a little bit of it's probably okay. But a steady diet of it will kill you. That's what the world is. And what we as Christians need to do is we need to know what can we do in the world that can bring us pleasure and joy that God wants us to have, and what of it is leading us to destruction. Our primary asset is the sovereignty of God. This is so vital. Let me make sure I didn't forget anything here. Um, No. So look at this. So we're in this world, and how many of you understand that this world is in turmoil? So we have a president that the Republicans and the Democrats are fighting against, this establishment. And I don't know about you guys, I get to where I can't hardly stand to watch the news because it's so crazy. And do you feel like you can't get good information? How many of you feel that way? You watch it and you, you watch one thing and they say one thing and somebody else coming on the same thing. You, you can't figure out what in the world's going on. Look at this verse. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. How about, and I understand that we don't have a king. And I'm thankful that we don't have a king other than the Lord Jesus. But how many of you think that God 
can do a work in Donald Trump's life. How many of you believe that? And yet we get so worked up in the politics of it and in the lies of it. Can, can I tell you something? Politicians lie. <gasps> no. They just do. And so what we need to do is stop being wrapped up so much in that stuff and we just need to pray for our leaders that God will spare us from the destruction that we deserve, right? We, our, our, the, the thing that's going to help us to rest is the sovereignty of God. I love this. This is Revelation 19.6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen. You know what omnipotent means? All-powerful. Is that the Lord that we serve? So let's just do this. Do you know that you don't have to carry the weight of the world? You know that? I feel the same way. I, I, I was talking to John Moore when we were trying to plan our vacation. And I said, do you think I'll be able to go on vacation? Do you think I should go on vacation? We're supposed to go next week. And he said, well, let me give you the answer that I've given for the last 35 years. Yes. <laughs> he said, do you know that the world will continue turning without you? Really? I thought I was vital to the world. I'm not. And yet we can get under the weight of everything that we have on us individually and feel like we have to carry it when God Almighty. It's so interesting. Everything that, that we, Laura said this uh, yesterday or today, because it's been a stressful time. And how many of you know that I'm not supposed to be stressed? How many of you know? I, I know that. Okay? I know that. It hasn't helped knowing that. It should, but I've been stressed. How many of you have been stressed when you knew you weren't supposed to be? You know, you're supposed to be a child of God and peaceful and, you know, religious. I'm Bible man. Um, but I was stressed. And Laura, Laura said this. Do you know that everything that's happened is an answer to prayer? We've gotten a contractor that, that we wouldn't thought we'd be able to get. Christians. The... the, the one the, our, the representative was talking about a Sunday school class they're wanting to, to do and how he's interested in our Christianity 101 because they need some, some basics. Isn't that good to hear from your contractor? The bank, the interest rates, the terms. It's everything that we've prayed for. The money coming in, it's everything that we've prayed for. The church staying strong through the process, it's everything that we've prayed for. Why have I been anxious? Because I thought it was up to me. And God says, come rest a while. I've got this. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Look, look with me at Philippians. Keep your place in Mark. I want to finish up there. But look at Philippians chapter 4. How many of you can tell I'm preaching to myself mostly today? <clears throat> verse 6 be careful so that's full of care for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus what's the key to that? Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Where is He? He's right here. Just 
reach out to him. He, he's, he's right here. Your moderation. What is that? It's not this. It's moderation. It's okay. God has this. That's where we are supposed to be. Our primary asset is the sovereignty of God. I like this right here. Oh, I didn't put it on the handout. Listen, or on the, uh, the, whatever that is. I have this, this quote. That's management. I'm sales. I was in sales for a long time. And somebody would ask a question, why do you do that? Well, I don't know. That's management. I'm sales. Do you know what our job is? Our job is sales. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Why is there suffering in the world? That's management. Amen? Do you know that there's a lot of stuff in the world that you can't change? So how much time are you supposed to spend worrying about it? I can't rush the bankers. I can't determine contractors. I certainly can't build the building. I can't change the price of things. I can't do that. So if God wants us to have a building, who's in charge of that? God is. What do you have in your life that you're carrying the weight that you have right now? And let me, I, I want to, and, and don't worry, I'm, I'm done. You can see the slides are over. Um, but can I help you with something? How many of you here work for someone else? Would you raise your hands? You work for someone else. Okay, hold those hands up. Okay, now look around. Everybody, look around. Okay, now put your hands down. Those of you who work for someone else, I want you to be aware of something. That business doesn't exist to provide you a job. That business exists not to provide a service. That business exists to make money. That's why it's there. Now, the business owner might be a godly person and wants to use that profit for godly things. Profit is not evil. Amen? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Profit's not bad. Profit is a good thing. So there's something that, that you need to understand. If you are provided a job, all right, because that business exists, that's a blessing from God. Amen. How many of you here are thankful that you got a job? Amen. It's very important that you are thankful for that place of work and that you keep your right attitude, you keep your right spirit. Because you get to punch out and go home and the business continues without you. The owner of your business has the weight of that every waking minute. You need to pray for the person that either owns your business or for the managers of the business that you work under, that God will give them wisdom, that God will bless them. Why? Because if that business isn't there, you don't have the job. Amen? I got to tell you, we need to be thankful in this community for Honda. We need to pray for those people. Anybody here work at Honda? If you work at Honda, raise your hand. We need to pray 
for Emerson Corporation. Anybody here work for Emerson Corporation? Any of you? Yeah. All of these institutions, we need to pray for these people. We need to be thankful. And one of the things that happens with this whole, because we're not union here pretty much, there's not as much of it, but the whole labor management where they hate each other. How many of you have ever been in an atmosphere like that? Is that biblical? That is not biblical at all. And so all of us who work for someone else, we need to be thankful for our employer, not resentful towards them. When you own your own company, you can set the rules. That should give a big amen. When you own your own company, you can set the rules. Amen. And then, those of you who are managers or owners, I understand that you feel like the weight of that business is on you. But you understand that that success and promotion comes from God? Does promotion come from above? Is that what the Bible says? Sometimes you just need to rest because the weight of all of that, it can crush you. You need to give it to the Lord. And then, if you're an employer, a manager, an owner, you need to treat your people right. You need to be thankful for the people that work with you and that work under you, that you're responsible for, that you have the charge over. You need to pray for them. You need to pray that God will bless them and help them. Because, again, the reason that Honda is here is because we have hard workers here. Amen? There's other parts of the country. They're not there for a reason. And so it's really important that you take care of the people that work for you. Pray for them. Treat them right. Be honest. And then take the time off that you need to recharge your batteries. And don't feel guilty about that. You folks who you, you work an hourly wage and you get vacation time, take that vacation time. And then sometimes you'll take your vacation and use it. Some of our folks took vacation to go to youth camp. And while it was work, it was different than their regular work and it recharged them and helps them. And it's so important that we all get to the place where we understand that it's time to come apart. Go back to Mark chapter 6 and let's look at it, verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Wouldn't that just be cool to sit down with Jesus and talk to Him about that? And He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Come, come and rest a while. Some of you teachers, we have so many teachers here. You're getting ready to go back to school. Get some rest before you go back. Get some rest. You know, you work jobs and things. You do all these things in the summertime. Get your head around it. Be ready to give those kids everything God wants you to give them. Amen? Amen. You kids, man, you got it made. Like we always tell our kids. You heard me say it. Laura and I are going on vacation. We're taking the kids with us. Now, they've been working, and so now they're going to enjoy some time off. But it's my vacation. You kids, when you go on vacation with your parents, it's their vacation. You live a vacation. You don't realize it. When... Even those of you young people who are working and you have jobs, you're not responsible for the house. You're not responsible for the insurance. You're not responsible for all of those things. Amen, parents? Amen. Amen. You never worry about where your food's coming from. You never even think about it. Praise God. What a blessing that is. You know, there's a lot of part of the world that they have to worry about their next meal. 
you folks, kids are getting ready to go back to school, and all the moms said, amen, they love you, but they want you out of the house for a while. You homeschooling parents, you moms who are doing the homeschooling, get your heads around it. Make sure that you have your house in order. Make sure that your children are disciplined well so that you don't go crazy, right? Because what you're doing is such a valuable thing. It is such a valuable thing. All of us, let's make sure that our lives reflect the balance that God wants us to have. That is that when we're at work, we work hard. And then when that's over, we rest and we accomplish the rest that we need. Amen? Will you examine your life? Just ask God, search me. Am I living a life that you would have me live? Now, remember, if rest is busyness for you, then that's fine. If rest is a certain type of distraction away from your job, that's great. That's profitable. That's profitable. If rest is just sitting in the chair and watching the birds, then do that. Whatever rest is for you, make sure that you are getting that rest so that you're able to give everything to the Lord that He would have you give. Amen? Examine your life. Am I working enough? Am I serving enough in the church? Am I resting enough? If people asked, if people were asked, how would you describe this person? Would it be a life of joy and happiness, fulfillment, or would it be anxiety, anger, fear, wanting? Who are you? What are you? Let's ask the Lord that. Amen? Some of us just need to come rest a while. Let's all stand together.